Which decision will define your story? Which of your painful mistakes will become a distant memory far from your heart because you responded in faith and in obedience to Jesus Christ? Please turn in your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 21 or your Bible apps. Uh, we're going to be reading um, just in, a, in a, a small stretch of scripture, and we're going to camp there. Um, if we were to read verses 12 through 17 or 23 through 27, um, we would see some interesting characters. We would see the accounts um, all throughout John. If we started earlier in John, we, we, we meet John the baptizer, John the Baptist, and, and, and we see Jesus and and we'll see Jesus throughout throughout this book. But we also see some somewhat scheming and shady characters. We see scheming religious leaders who were so cold-hearted that although they saw miracle after miracle, they saw lives changed, they saw people healed, they saw big miracles. A man is blind, and now that man can see. A person is lame, and now that person is running and leaping and jumping. And these religious leaders saw that. But they closed their hearts to the truth that Jesus Christ was Lord. They refused to let the presence of God touch them. They were unwilling to believe in Jesus, despite what they saw. The word isn't faith for that. I don't know what the word is. But to see God moving in that way and still choose not to believe, that's pretty remarkable. That takes something. We see in Scripture that those Pharisees had just asked Jesus a question about his authority. He said, what authority do you have to teach the people uh, in, the, uh, in the temple courts? Because Jesus had been teaching in the temple courts. And if we read a little bit earlier, we, we see that you know, he, he definitely ruffled their feathers by, by driving out the money changers. And then he definitely upset them when, when blind people and lame people came to him in those courts, in those temple courts. And scripture says he healed every one of them. And then they about lost their minds when children ran to him and started singing about him and honoring him and praising him. And they about lost it. Aren't you going to correct them? What are you doing? And Jesus said, I just, his response was much kinder than, than I think ours would have been. And now they're questioning his authority. What authority do you have to teach in these temple courts? On the surface, it's a fair question, right? It's not a bad question. It's not an unfair question. But God knows the, the heart, the intention of men. He knows the motives of men. When we question him, he knows our motives. And I, I'll say this right now. There are some questions that are really good. And God welcomes those questions. Those questions are asked with a teachable heart. Those questions are asked with a desire to, to learn, to grow, to, to, to 
to be touched by him. And there's other questions that I don't think we get a response at all from Jesus on. The, the questions that we ask God, we ask him to, to uh, explain himself, to justify himself. Those questions that are asked with a calloused heart when we're not really seeking truth at all, but our motives are not good. Beneath the surface, the, the hearts of these people asking that question about his authority, they were cold. They weren't seeking truth, but they wanted to trap Jesus. They wanted to shame Jesus. Jesus answered them in the coolest way. Now, I'm paraphrasing here. Okay, this isn't word for word. It's probably close. But Jesus says, well, allow me to retort. I, too, have a question for you. And if you can answer this question sincerely, then I will tell you by what power I do these things. Fair enough? And Jesus asked them this question. Where did John's authority to baptize come from? And he gave them multiple choice. He gave them A and B, one and two. Where did John's authority to baptize come from? A, from heaven, or B, from people. They talked amongst themselves. They might have called their lifeline. There might have been someone in the back giving them the shake, like, don't answer, don't answer. And they hemmed and they hawed, and then finally, these Pharisees decided that they were in trouble either way. Whichever of those two answers they gave, they were going to be in trouble. And so they responded with what they thought was the brilliant and safe answer of, we just don't know. We don't know. <laughs> Jesus, I'm sorry, Jesus is so cool. I, I know that's a word that we don't use often enough to describe him. He's so stinking cool. He replied, then neither will I tell you where my power comes from. He's like, I'm not going to play your game. I'm sure as a child, Jesus was awesome at games. And maybe even as a, as a young man, he was awesome at Hebrew Scrabble or whatever the equivalent of that would be. And, and you know, Red Rover. Uh, I don't know. But I'm telling you right now, even now, Jesus doesn't want to play games with us. And he wasn't going to play their game. Jesus asks them a question. Their question is about religious authority. But J Jesus asks them a question in response to this dialogue. He keeps dialogue open, and he asks them about repentance. I love that he has grace, even in the midst of what seems to be frustration. He still has grace for these people. There's no way the chief priests and the elders of the people can know Jesus until they repent. Friends, repentance is the gateway into all of the blessings of God's kingdom. To walk through that gateway and into his blessings, you and I must change our mind. Changing our mind leads to new actions. Actions have to follow a change of mind. New actions, they're, they're meant to align 
with how God sees things. They're meant to align with what God thinks about things. What his opinion is, what his thoughts are. What he commands us to do. And when we do that, we've opened the door of our hearts. And when we open that door, then he can change our hearts. I said it before and I'll say it again. A lot of times we use terms that don't quite line up with scripture. We talk about all you need is a change of heart. And I'm here to tell you that we can't change our heart. God can change our heart. What we can do is change our minds. And that's what the word metanoia means, repent. Meta means change. Noia speaks of, of the mind. Metanoia, a change of mind. And here's what I love about this. We can change our mind without changing our emotions. We can change our mind, and then we can tell our emotions to line up with the word of God. Because we've changed our mind, and, and we're stepping towards what God has said, regardless of what we feel. I love that David said it. Bless the Lord. He got in front of a mirror, I'm sure. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Why? Probably didn't feel like it at that moment. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves, I don't care what I feel like, I'm going to keep my eyes in Christ and obey him and walk to him. And if I'm not, if I'm not doing according to what he wants me to do, I'm going to change my mind and my actions will follow. So what is repentance? It begins with the changing of the mind. So we're in Matthew chapter 21. We're going to read 28 through 32. We'll, we'll pause here at verse 31. And this talks about what is repentance. So Jesus asks them his question. They just got done asking him, where's your authority come from? So he says, hey, what do you think about this story? What do you think about this? Matthew 21 verse 28. What do you think about this? A man had two sons. So Jesus starts telling this story. And he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And the son answered, I will not. So just if we can pause right here. In the midst of Jesus telling this story, that would have shocked and appalled them. That is not what, what the Hebrew culture tolerated. That was the epitome of dishonoring, that was the epitome of disrespect. Quite honestly, it should still be the, the epitome of dishonoring, and it should still be, but unfortunately it's not. Our culture has made some bad decisions, and that lack of honor and respect that we show to one another, including our parents, is not a good thing. Son, do this. I will not. Nah, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. Nah, uh Chilling. Chilling. Not finished with my game yet. Later, in a minute... No. And he answered, I will not. But afterwards, everyone say afterwards. Say it again. Third time's a charm. I love that we get afterwards. Afterward, he changed his mind. Afterward, he changed his mind and he went. And the father went to the other son and said the same. And that son answered, I go, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'll do it. Yes, dad. Yes, daddy. I'll do it. But did not go. And then Jesus asked this second question of them. Which of the two 
did the will of his father. I'm sure they huddled up. They're like, this is a trick question. This has to be a trick question. The answer seems so obvious. Let's get together. And they probably took a, a brief moment of parlay or whatever it's called. Probably not parlay. I don't know. They're not pirates. But maybe they were. Maybe they were. I don't know. I wasn't there. They said the first. They responded correctly. The first. The first son of the parable was at first rebellious toward his father. But later he changed his attitude. He changed his mind. And he did what the father asked. The second son claimed to be obedient, right? Put on the face. Put on the persona. The facade of being obedient and honoring. Even called him sir. Yes, sir. But was not. The one who was at first dishonoring, the one who was at first disobedient, the one who at first was consumed and self-absorbed and selfish is the one who came in the blessing because he changed their mind. He changed his mind. Our initial response to God is often pretty crappy. It really is. He just catches us at these moments when maybe he just doesn't realize it's not a good time for us. Maybe he doesn't realize it's not a good season. It's not a good day. It's not a good week. Why would you ask me on this time? Clearly I'm on level 17 of my stupid game. Even though we're sometimes entitled and disobedient and rebellious at first. We may enter into God's fullness of blessing if we change our mind, if we repent. I love repentance. You might think I preach on repentance a lot, but I encourage you to dig into Scripture, and I think I preach on repentance, like on par with how much Scripture talks about repentance. So I think there's a good balance there. But it matters, and it's a blessing. I get to change my mind and my attitude and still come into blessing, even though my first response might have been selfish and prideful and rebellious. And I, and I get to change my mind and repent. Repentance is a very powerful change of mind. How do I make it sound? So repentance is a change of mind, but it's a very powerful change of mind because it results in moving us. It results in us getting up out of our seats and doing what God says. It results in us humbling ourselves. And it results in us fighting past our emotions and our, our feelings. It's powerful. It led to the son's admitting that he was wrong. It led to him actually doing what he had previously refused to do. Repentance led to the fruit of repentance. His repentance led to the fruit of repentance. Earlier in Matthew, chapter 3, 
We see John the Baptist baptizing people in the Jordan. He was baptizing them in water as, as a baptism of repentance of their sins. And shortly thereafter, in that same chapter, we see Jesus come on the scene. And Jesus says, baptize me. And John's like, no, you got it wrong. I, sh- I should be baptized by you. And Jesus says, no, we have to do this to fulfill all, all righteousness. And so Jesus was baptized. For him, it wasn't a baptism of repentance because Jesus had nothing to repent of. For him, it was a baptism of obedience because the Father had said, this is what I'm asking you to do. And when he came out of that water, there was a voice from heaven that said, this is my son whom I love. In him, I'm well pleased. The Father raving about the son. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the the form of a dove. Not as a dove. It wasn't a dove. It was, I don't know what it was, but that's the best description that John could give it. Also on that scene were those same cynical Pharisees. Those same cynical religious leaders were also there. This is what John the baptizer told them at that time. Matthew 3, verse 8. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. What does that mean? What does that mean, bear fruit in keeping with repentance? The Passion Translation makes it very clear, so I want to read it. From the Passion, same, same passage, Matthew 3, 8. You must prove your repentance by a changed life. You must prove your repentance by a changed life. We can't say we've repented and we keep living a secret life. That is not repentance. We can't say we've repented and remain unchanged. That's rebellion. That is not repentance. We can't say we've repented and then still do the same ungodly things as an act of our will. See, repentance by its very nature is a yielding to God's will. I'm not talking about walking in perfection. I'm not talking about never doing those things again. Even Paul says, ah, the things I don't want to do, I do. And the things I do, I don't want to do, ah. And, and we've all felt that before. Go, Why do I keep doing the same thing? I'm not talking about living perfect. I'm talking about yielding our will to the will of God and getting up and doing what he said to do. If we aren't willing to make a change, we're not changed. Let's say that too. If I'm not willing to make a change, that was confusing. Let me just say it again. If if I'm not willing to make a change, I'm not changed. Is that clear enough? <laughs> is that, Andy, is that clear enough? Sometimes I'm vague. Okay. Willing is the key word for me. Willing. Am I willing to make a change? I'm human too. I don't like it. Mark, I need you to forgive that guy. No. No. I'm right. He's wrong. No. 
unwillingness. Uh, Mark, it's not about who's right or not. It's about I've asked you to do it, and I've forgiven you of all your sins. So I'm asking you to forgive that devil of yours. Can we put it on the record that I'm not happy about it? But I will do it because I, I want to obey you. I want to honor you, and I trust you. So I'm going to forgive. Repentance is the test of whether someone is blessed or lost. Man, I, I hope everybody grabs a hold of the joy of repentance. What, like I feel every time I preach on it, it is such a gift. There's, a, there's such a blessing that comes when we repent, when we change our minds, when we change our actions. It results in such wonderful things. It's for our benefit. It's not for God's benefit. It's for our benefit. It's, it's such a beautiful gift. That's an interesting word I, I chose to use there, that lost. Lost. We ever get lost? We ever refuse to listen to Siri or listen to the app or Waze or whatever? Ah, Waze is ah, get, you know, I'm going to get off here and make my way. I'm a dude. I can find it. Do we ever get lost? frustrating, right? It's frustrating. It's time-consuming. It robs us of time. It robs us of whatever it was that the good thing we were set out to do, whether it was, you know, being at work or being at a party or, or, or a little getaway, whatever it is, it robs us. And I'm just letting you know, when we refuse to repent, same thing, it robs us. We're lost. We're not blessed in that moment. We're not walking in the blessing that he has for us. All right, let's get back to Scripture. Matthew 21 again, verse 31. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said the first. Jesus said to them, truly, I say, now, this is pretty great too. Clearly it was the first, right? Clearly it was the first. But that's not what Jesus responds with. He responds with, truly, I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes Go into the kingdom of God before you. And he's talking to those Pharisees, those religious leaders. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe John. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes, they believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. Oh my gosh, Jesus is no joke. Filthy, crooked men. Thieving, filthy, crooked men. Corrupt tax officials working for the ruthless Roman government will go in before you. And filthy, immoral women and girls who were working as prostitutes will go in before you. Why? Because they saw they heard, and 
they believe. They were coming into salvation. They changed their minds. They came to faith in Jesus. It says here, and, and even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. You know what Jesus is really saying? You're seeing it every time you're snooping on me. Every time you're trying to trap me, you're seeing the work of God through my life. You see miracles after miracles after miracles. You've seen lives changed. You see people restored all for the glory of God, not for my glory. This is Jesus saying, not for my glory, for the glory of my Father. Everything I do, I do in his name, and you've seen it. And you won't believe. You won't believe. I can't even imagine the spiritual darkness that those men must have fallen under to not believe. To not be in the presence of God. Or to be in the presence of God and then not believe. Not change. Friends, let this be a warning to you and I. When we are in the presence of God, we must change. When we are in the presence of God and, and the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, we must change. Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I repent. Lord, I repent. I, I know that's not what you told me to do. And I did it because I was just being stubborn. Lord, I repent. What, what, what would you have me do, Lord? I want to pick up the phone. I want to call that sister. I'm going to. I'm going to go home and I'm going to get rid of that that stumbling block, whatever it is. What about us? What about you? If you want salvation, admit you've been wrong. Change your mind about yourself and about Jesus and come to faith in him. Do you know what I love? I, I, I love Jesus telling this story and the father came to the first son, came to the second son, said the same thing. Where, where in this story, where was this father asking the son to go? What was he asking him to do? To work in the vineyard, right? You know what he was saying? Is join me in my work of fruitfulness. Join me in a life of fruitfulness. Stop what you're doing. Leave your comfort. And join me in fruitfulness. And it starts with the fruit of repentance. Friends, Jesus is asking us to join us, to join him in fruitfulness. In a heart that's light and satisfied in love. Maybe you made all the wrong decisions early on. Maybe all your decisions were rebellious and they were wrong and they were angry or they were hurt. But maybe you had a stretch where all your decisions were the wrong decisions. 
Maybe you were the most rebellious person around. Maybe you were the worst person around. Maybe you were the most sinful person on the block. Maybe you made decisions that led to crime and violence and drugs and rebellion and dishonesty and impurity. Maybe. Maybe that was you. And if it was, guess what? Your story isn't over. Your story isn't over. That doesn't define you. Jesus is calling you. His words are ringing in your ear of follow me, come to me, receive my grace, my forgiveness, walk with me, follow me. Just like that first son in the story that Jesus told. Maybe your first response was wrong. No, God, I'm good. I won't follow you, much less do your work. No. But you changed your mind. And you followed Jesus. And I'm here to let you know, you will not be remembered for the rebelliousness you showed at first, but you will be remembered for the grace that's upon your life and that you walk in blessing as one who has repented. Your story has an incredible new chapter. It's actually an incredible new story. Your story will declare that your next response is what defines you. You've changed your mind and you repented. You've changed an action and you walked towards God. And God changed your heart and he made you new. You became new. You became a new creation. You're different. You started learning to walk in obedience. Let us stand. If that hits home to you, I need you to hear me. You're not the bad son. You're not the bad daughter. You're not the disobedient kid. You're the beloved kid. You're the beloved daughter. You're the beloved son. Are you listening? Because God is calling you once again to go to his vineyard and to do his work. He hasn't changed his mind about that. Join me in my work of fruitfulness. There's kingdom work to be done. Maybe there's people here, maybe there's people that'll be listening or watching this online and you've yet to change your mind. And you're still sitting alone in disobedience. Maybe you're more like that second son in that story. Maybe you've given God lip service. You got it, Lord. I'm on it. And it's words only and it doesn't result in any action. You can change your mind right now. If the Holy Spirit is is prompting your heart to repent, then you can trust Him and repent. You can change your mind right now. And the next step will be to change an action. Not, Not all the actions, an action to stand up, to walk outside, to go to the work that God has said, will you do?
not trying to sway anybody into some sort of emotional response. But I'm telling you right now that a decision like this has to be definitive. God likes definitive, yes or no, hot or cold. I'm just letting you know. It doesn't have to have emotions at all. You can stand up and say, yes, Jesus, yes. I don't even know what direction I'm heading, but I know it's not sitting right here, and I will stand up, and you just point in the right direction. Give me a nudge. I'm following. Church. Have you become lazy? Have you become weary? Have you become entitled? Have you stopped saying yes to your Heavenly Father? Have we tuned him out? Again, if the Holy Spirit is convicting us of our sins, it's because he wants to bring us into fruitfulness. And we can can trust him. But we've got to respond. If that's you, would you take that first step of humility? in the Lord's presence. Just stand and say, yes, Lord. What's next? What would you have me do? In all those calls, I've used the word stand. Friends, action's required. A stand is required. A response is required. Can we all stand? God is a very personal and unique and specific God. And I promise you this, the response that he's wanting to see from you is not the response he's wanting to see from the person next to you or across the room from you. It's unique. It's specific. He's talking to us. You've already stood. Kinetic energy is already in motion. Will you respond? Let's just close our eyes. Let's just listen for a moment. Holy Spirit, we're listening. Would you just convict us of any sin, of any misdirection, of any disobedience? When things come to mind, as things come to heart, just respond to the Lord. Just respond to the Lord. Don't just acknowledge, but respond. times in the book of the gospel of Luke we see people at the feet of Jesus seven times, seven different times we see in the word that God embraces the humble but he resists the proud and so friends I'm just encouraging you right now just to humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and respond in humility and respond
just want to give us a minute more. Just let's not miss this opportunity. See what the Lord is leading you to. In your mind's eye, see. Just see yourself walking in that purpose. Walking into that vineyard, that place of fruitfulness where you get to link arms with the Lord and what he's called you to. truly are good. You are good and only good, Father. You are good and only good. And we thank you that for every bad response, every rebellious response, there's the opportunity to change our minds. There's the opportunity for repentance and renewal and purpose. Lord, we say yes to you. We present ourselves to you and we say, we, we give our life to you. We give our past, we give the, the ugly and the harmful and the rebellious, we give it to you. And we give you our present. We, we are very present in this moment, Lord, and we say yes to you and we give you our future because we say it is yours, our life is yours. We've changed our mind. And this moment, we are stepping into action. And we trust you for every next step that you will guide us on. Lord, I pray blessings for every person in this place, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every young person, old person. Lord, I give you thanks for every marriage and every family that's represented right here. Lord, I give you thanks, Lord God, that your mercy is enough, your grace is enough. We love you, Lord. I just pray that we truly would walk in the fullness of that blessing as a repentant people. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to leave us with this. Okay. You can sit down. You can sit down because we got a little curveball to throw you. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless. I'm going to pray that blessing that I do every week. Close us out. And then for those that are worshiping with us, like online, or we're going we're gonna to kill the live feed, and then we've got just a family announcement to to make to y'all. So, so after I'm done blessing, you know, praying the blessing, stay there. Stay right where you're at, okay? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have an amazing day.